This podcast is a member of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts and content creators, visit bio.link slash red5. Hey, it's the Scuttlebutt. Hey, Scuttlebutt Nation, that's right. You've stumbled on the Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast. Honest conversation with open hearts. A place for discussions, breakdowns, and deep dive. This is your safe space when it comes to nerd opinions. Because just like assholes, we all got them. Strap in, grab your blaster, and some sunscreen. Because it's always sunny on Scarif. Oh boy, it's the Scuttlebutt. And that's the Scuttlebutt. That's the Scuttlebutt. What's up, my Scuttlebutt friends? This is Ro, and you have stumbled on a new episode of the Scare Scuttlebutt podcast here at the Citadel. Thank you for joining me. If you are joining me for the first time, thank you for discovering our little podcast. If you are a returning listener, thank you for continue listening to my rants with friends. We've got uh, wonderful show topics, but uh, this is a Quick Cuts topic. Uh, I'm sorry, a Quick Cuts show that uh, if you're not um, familiar with, I usually take a couple of friends, a couple of topics, and we throw a topic into the mix and just kind of uh, talk about it. Uh, And with me to regale us with some nerd wisdom is uh, the boys of After the Weekend. We've got JT and uh, R2. There's a lot of acronyms there, a lot of initials. What's going on, gentlemen? Uh... I mean, it's just, it's just, it's just easier to say our names that way, you know. My parents know how to spell good. <laughs> very nice, very nice. Uh, thank you for joining me on this edition of Quick Cuts, and um, it's uh, should be a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, excited. It's gonna be good. So, um, I wanted to ask you first. Obviously, uh, you guys are guests here, and I just wanted to ask you guys to give me your elevator pitch. Where can people find you? What do you guys do? And uh, what are your uh, what are your favorite things to talk about on your shows? Well, I'm going to let R2 go ahead and. and oh, you, you have a little Freudian slip. You almost said his real name. I know. I'm going <laughs> to. Well, people know his real name. But yeah, you could yeah, go ahead, Rick. You could uh, <laughs> you can do it. Well, you can find after the weekend over on YouTube. We spell it with just it's all one word. All together. So after the weekend, uh, JT and I, we review movies from our childhood. Um, so 80s, 90s films primarily. Um, we do some older stuff. We do some newer stuff. But we just we like to talk about uh, what we grew up with and what we loved um, over there. So, um, you know, if you're a, yeah. a child of the 80s, you know, you'll definitely love it. We always uh, enjoy when we, you know review something and we get a comment uh and somebody's like i forgot all about this film i gotta go watch it or yeah you know this maybe want to go see this and it was great thanks for talking about it so yeah just recently we re did a review of independence day for our, our last movie of july and then um, we have a new video dropping in Monday of American Graffiti. So there you oh, go. Oh, very nice. I'm going to tune into that. American Graffiti is yeah. one of my favorite movies, obviously, because of my, um, you know, my age or Star Wars. <laughs> fine. That's fine. My age, too. I mean, I wasn't in the I, I didn't see it in the theaters, for heaven's sakes. But, 
It's a George Lucas uh, film, one of his first ones, so uh, I'm all in. So, excellent. Yeah, one of the fun facts that Rick likes to do, and he did this on the video. I'll give a little spoiler of our video. Uh, he said that you wouldn't have Star Wars without American Graffiti. Absolutely. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm definitely going to tune into that one because, uh, you know, I, I, George Lucas, his history, his production company uh, with his uh, – who's his partner – his filmmaking partner Francis Ford Coppola. It's uh, it's a lot of history that inspired me to open up my production company, and really kind of dive into the field that I'm in. So I, I um, definitely gonna uh, look you guys up uh, when you do that one. I'll be hanging in the chat and uh, cheering you on for sure. Thank you. But I'll definitely add in my two cents. Uh, I'm gonna fact check you guys and see if you guys got all the details right. Okay. Because I'm old. Remember? Yeah. Well, <laughs> you can blame me. Uh, I'm the one who always has to have the facts. He, he, yeah, he had all the facts, so Excellent. it's all on him. Excellent. <laughs> we'll, we'll check it out. All right. So uh, it seems like uh, this, uh, this episode or this segment's topic is right up your alley. Um, I wanted to talk about family movies of the 80s. And I know movies lately have... Um, have uh, have taken a hit for one reason or another. There's a couple of flops out in the theater. Uh, people are not going to the theater for the, for for one thing. Um, and I know I was having uh, a conversation with folks online regarding theater versus home. And I am of the uh, I'm a proponent of going out to a theater. I love the theater experience. I don't care how good your home movie theater is. Uh, I just love going. Uh, to a theater with strangers and kind of feeding off of their energy. So for me, uh, movie going experiences is the best. Um, I love the sticky floors. I love the popcorn. I love the bad hot dogs and the uh, frozen pizza heated up in the microwave. That's my jam, man. <laughs> yeah, that that's good times. But it, it, nowadays, you're not really getting that. You're 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 getting a more of a. It's all. It's like a big epic show that you have to go to. So you're either getting a big dinner. Um, you don't really uh, movie theaters are really kind of pushing towards like your and we're entertainment now in a di in a in a bigger venue than than just a small time theater. Yeah, um, I uh, I was living in the Bay Area a couple of years ago, um, almost three years ago, and uh, yeah, a lot of the theaters that were opening up um, out there were. You know, you could like dinner, you could, you could order a meal sure. and, and, you know, booze and have it brought to you and, you know, just flip a button um, and, and a waiter would come. And sometimes, yeah, that's kind of fun, but like, that's not really yeah, going to the theaters to watch a movie. Um, but uh, yeah, because there's some of us that don't, I used to go, sometimes I would go to a movie theater and I would never even buy anything i would just go to watch the movie and then leave yeah <clears throat> maybe a drink but that's about it so um, I mean, the other thing too is like yeah i would go out to dinner and have drinks with friends before the dinner and then once you get to the theater you know just you know get a bag of m&ms or whatever but not have like the complete experience there because i mean can you really you know uh have a full you know, yeah. dinner in in a movie theater and 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 not be distracted i mean sitting there cutting your steak and then you know, exactly. you're going to miss something. It's just right. like sporting events. They're trying to all compete with sure. what you can get at, get at home. Yeah. Right. The rumor has it you have your own theater in your own house, Row. So um, they're they're competing um, <laughs> against you. So everyone has these big screen TVs. They have their own microwave to make their own microwave pizza. 
So like these big venues, they have to do a little something to get you to come out of the your house, I guess. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, let's uh, you know, let's keep going to the movie theater. And obviously, you know, the the word of mouth when it comes to movies, um, I think that's one of the biggest marketing um, tools that fans have. Um, but, uh, getting, you know, getting away from modern movies, I wanted to kind of, uh, rewind, do a little, uh, rewind here. Um, family movies and, and adventure movies of the eighties. Um, I wanted to ask you guys, uh, cause I asked you to kind of make a selection, uh, of some of your favorite movies, uh, since you guys do do some reviews, uh, movies of the eighties. And I wanted to get your takes. I, what, um, what are some of your favorites? And um, I'll, I'll have a follow-up question after you guys give me some favorites. But uh, let's uh, let's go down the line. JT, what are your favorites? Well, it's it's kind of funny because and it, and it kind of goes with what how good how awesome we are with with our channel, how fun we me and R two have because we cause we kind of like the same things. So um, as soon as I told him we were going to do this, he said we should definitely do X Y Z. Um, so and those and then when he listed those movie these movies about to mention. Um, I lined up right with it. So one of them, it's a family movie. Usually you get to watch it around the holidays and that's a Christmas vacation. Okay. Like we, my family that we, that's a must. That's right up there with even the Christmas story where you have to watch that movie or your Christmas won't be Christmas. Right. Uh, pretty much like that, so. like Die Hard. <laughs> Yeah. yes but that's not but, really a, i mean i guess it's a family movie but but i feel like christmas vacation like not just christmas but that has like elements of like any like holiday event with you family. know every every you know nook and cranny of your family showing up and having to deal with the uh, eclectic personalities and um you know just mayhem ensues um uh, you know, there's so many things in that movie that I love. In fact, I can't tell you <laughs> not once, but twice I have uh, witnessed my dad fall through the ceiling and his legs dangle. <laughs> <Wow. laughs> like when Clark goes through the <laughs> ceiling. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's just all sorts yeah, of we, little we, bits We've all pieces. been there with the Christmas yeah. lights not working. Sure. Um, and, you know, where you're trying to figure out which bulb it is. I'm not sure if a lot of us had squirrel Christmas trees, but, uh, you know, it's just – a lot of family members can relate to that where you're, you know, you get to hang out with your friends and family around the holiday. So Absolutely. What is it about uh, family movies from that era that, uh, that you guys feel is special? Uh, I would say they, they weren't afraid to make fun of the weird. Like they were very, you, you were able to make fun of the uncles, the aunts, the grandpas without, being afraid to be offending someone, something. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's like the jokes or the, the, the banter that would go between the family. There wasn't really a, a, a guard a per se to, um, on what the writers could do. I think that's what really made them, um, quality. Plus you had really good comedians at that time. Sure. Uh, one of our favorites, you know, John Candy, he, unfortunately not around anymore, but he was one of the best with those 80 family films. And yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, not only that, but like you may not have, you know, an entire family that everybody's crazy, but you've always got that one person in your family where you're <laughs> like, it's that's cousin Eddie, you know, <laughs> right? So we like that. Um, and uh, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think the other thing too is, I mean, I hate to say it in this day and age, like unless it's a Fast and the Furious movie, family doesn't seem to be nearly as important. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, that's a sad fact as well. Um, but, uh, I think that's another reason why they're so great is just because they're, gro- yeah, yeah, they're grounded we, in, right. Yeah. It's very grounded. It's kind of what we always wanted. Um, you know, like our family and friends to be like, um, I feel like, you know. Sure. And you mentioned John Candy. I mean, he is part of a group of comedians back in the day that, uh, you know, were very, um, you know, very popular. Besides very popular, I mean, they were funny to, to uh, you know, in, in their own craft. They were um, mm-hmm. they were funny in, in a wholesome way. It wasn't so... Um, especially their movies. I mean, there were, you know, there's yeah. a reason they were all, you know, um, family friendly movies, um, especially in that era. You had, you know, some, you know, even I, I know Eddie Murphy um, had some kind of raunchy, you know, comedy skits. But, you know, a lot of his movies kind of were 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 a little more on the family friendly side. You know, uh, John Belushi. Uh, you know, even you know later down the route, the the line like Chris Farley. Um, you know, they, they knew their audience. They knew Chevy Chase. Yeah. Yeah. They knew, okay, this audience, I'm going to be this funny. This audience, I'm going to be this, uh, way. And, um, they knew how to play to the audience. Nowadays you, you get an actor that's could, maybe he is truly funny. He, he or she is really funny, but for some reason they have to go to the extreme where it's like, if that, like there's scenes we watch in the movies that we review, I'm like, Rick, there's no way that that scene right now, they would overdo that scene. They would make that scene completely overbellished. They would overdo it and it wouldn't be real. A lot of the, a lot of the scenes in like Christmas vacation or even um, the great outdoors, you can see that happening with you. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, and a lot of that comes though, not only from great actors, but great writing. I mean, Oh yeah. Vacation itself is based off of John Hughes's experiences growing up. And, you know, I think that's, that's another big difference between movies back then, movies today, where so much of it, you know, people were taking from their experiences. Sure. I mean, this is this is not a movie, but I was going to say like Seinfeld, what makes Seinfeld great is all the writers, all, all of them were talking about like their nothing moments in life, right. but they were hilarious because they were real. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. The writers usually say, you know, everyone has at least one really good story. And that's obviously based on their life experience, their personal, you know, uh, experience that they've had, uh, whether it's a work life, family life. But um, yeah, we absolutely have one really good story in, in all of us. And, uh, you know, with those talented writers, uh, they happen to have had a collection of experiences for <laughs> for us to enjoy. Um, yeah. You know what, what you mentioned actors, and uh, it's funny because when it comes to comedy, I'm not a big comedy guy, especially when it when when comedy mixes in with other genres. Like I can't watch the Orville because it's a comedy slash sci-fi. I can't mix my sci-fi and and comedy and at the same you time. You don't mix your your peas with I your can, mashed potatoes. I, I cannot do that. No, <laughs> um, but there is you know there are certain actors obviously that cross that genre that line. Um, you know, you have Robin Williams, obviously, who was, uh, a, you know, a comedic stand-up comedian. He broke into television with Mark and Mindy. And then he does, you know, serious projects. And, you know, they, they really, you know, blow you out of the water. Um, actors like John Lithgow, who I had always 
pictured him as the bad guy. And then all of a sudden he does, you know, what is that show? 30, uh, or third rock from, third the, rock sun. from the sun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Oh my God, he's doing a comedy. But then he was like fabulous in that too. I mean, these actors that kind of switch on a dime that really offer uh, a range for the audience to kind of uh, sink their teeth in when it's, it's great right. when you see the actors like that. I have to say this just in case one day my brother ever hears this, but because this was always my comment about John Lithgow is that whenever he played a bad guy, they would always have his hair slicked back. I know he was balding, you know, but do you notice that? Like, yeah. Uh, uh, what was it like? Raising Cain and then uh, Cliffhanger. He's always got like right. his hair slicked back. Yeah. <laughs> what do you see? They did that on Third Rock from the Sun, too. What do you Yep. Evil yep. Version. Now, it, you also get that from the directors, right? And the writers. Like we mentioned John Hughes. He would do a really funny movie and you're like, oh, okay. That, like uh, Christmas Vacation or whatever. And then he would do um, Breakfast Club, which was not a funny movie, but it was very serious and it was very, very real. And maybe the actors, he he found actors that could do the same thing. And that's what you kind of miss. You, you get directors and actors that just get stuck in a rut nowadays and they just do the thing that gets them paid i i feel like so sure other than breaking out <clears throat> yeah absolutely breakfast club was my jam back in the day um <laughs> you know based uh we've got that shooting location here locally so um that was always a uh, fun and then yeah obviously john hughes is a is a chicago native so that's that's always a lot of fun um, yeah, so, uh, I got a couple of movies too, but I wanted to ask R2, uh, what's on your list? Um, well, he said one of, one of my movies, uh, another one, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, oh. I think is another great. Speaking of local. You know, cause it is, yeah, yeah. <laughs> was there only Chicago? one place to film in the eighties? Was there only yeah, Chicago? Was Chicago, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> right. John Hughes made films and you can only film things in Chicago, apparently. Um, but it, you know, if you think about it, I mean, you know. You go, it is a family comedy because I, I feel like, I mean, I watched it with my family tell me loved it. It's also an adventure movie. I mean, he goes on an adventure. He has a sick day and, um, you know, he has the mm-hmm. best day of, you know, of his life as, uh, as his whole plan and, and plot. Um, and, and that's something, too. I mean, as a little kid, it was like we all wanted to be Ferris Bueller, sure. you know. Um, so that's that's one that I, I love. Um and uh, I think the other one we had talked about, um, again, ad- adventure film. It's your. It's actually one of your favorites, JT. But Back to the Future. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah of course. Um, which is which was amazing and not done by John Hughes and not filmed in Chicago. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. But, no, but it it had a sense of family to it because yeah. whatever impact he decision he made impacted his family's sure. future either from in the past or um, uh, in the future. So in his future. So by him just meeting his dad, he almost ruined his entire life. Right. <laughs> uh, so uh, it, it goes to show you that every little bit of your family um, means a lot. So sure. In that movie. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that because um, you know, these are our movies that are, you know, not only family movies, but they're based in, um, a scenario that has adventure in the forefront. You know, you've got Back to the Future. He goes back in time to to have this adventure. Um, and uh, two of my movies have that at uh, at the center of the the, the plot. Um, you might not remember this movie. Uh, it's a movie called Time Bandits, nineteen eighty one. I've heard of it. Yeah, I've seen it. 
It's um, it's one of the uh, it's ranked 22 on Empire's 50th uh, 50s best kid movies, um, ranked in the top 10 of time travel movies, um, and it's uh, it, it was created by the the guys that are kind of responsible for Monty Python, um, and uh, it has a lot of little people in 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 the film that uh, that you might uh, recognize like uh, Kenny Baker. Uh, Jack Purvis, they were Ewoks, and obviously R2-D2, the guy inside R2-D2. So um, it had a lot of adventure. And, uh, you know, obviously back in the early 80s, you didn't have a lot of CGI, a lot of uh, computer graphics to kind of uh, fall back on. So a lot of that special effects stuff was practical, which always gives a film in that era a certain charm when you see a lot of stuff that's done practically without all the CGI, um, which I think is part of the charm of, of those kind of special effects movies, um, especially in that era. Right. We also have a, a friend of ours, a mutual friend that, uh, for some reason cannot stand, uh, one of the movies that, that is on my list, the Goonies. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say I, th- I thought you were going to say Princess Bride. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's another one. That's another one. But you know, the you know, talking about uh, adventures and and kids and family. Um, I don't understand how you cannot like the Goonies, but that's it's that's, kids. That's another. It's another <laughs> it's podcast. The, yeah, it's, it's the it's kids. kids. I guess it's the kids. It's, it's the, the kids. kids. If that movie was with adults on an adventure with pirates, he would probably mostly <laughs> like it more than. Well, than all those people kids. are now adults today. Just imagine them. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, And just just in in case you're wondering, we're talking about Alex over at the Salty Crew, uh, Salty Nerd Podcast. Too funny, too funny. (laughs) Uh, No, I mean, that's another one. Yeah, from I mean, that just screams childhood. Um, Absolutely. You know, uh, I think it was around the same time, the movie Explorers. Um, Mm -hmm. I really... I really cling to that one because that that is something that I would do with friends of mine in my backyard when I was a kid. I would pretend to uh, to build this this um, I don't know this this spaceship out of cardboard. We'd all go in. We'd have we we'd fly off into another galaxy. We'd come out in the backyard and and kind of start exploring. So it's it was it was a special movie for me because of that. I kind of related to that scenario, that uh, imaginative uh, you know child's play um which is i think it's prevalent in movies of the 80s especially in the you know kind of in the the time bandit science fiction era of of uh, of the 80s and i think that is part of the charm again but i think it's the innocence of of children and i think it's obviously you know we were talking about modern movies it's it's something that we've lost a little um and I think I don't know if uh, society has become a little bit more cynical about stuff that uh, we kind of uh, throw that innocence under the bus per se. But um, yeah, we I think we we need more of that. And I think lately, we the only movie really modern movie that really comes to mind when it comes to child uh, adventure would be the this latest Ghostbuster. I just saw it for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It uh, yeah, that had a lot of eighties. Um, 80s- tropes like it had a sure. lot of um memory berries for oh um, yeah anyone for who old guys anything. like me right uh, yeah yeah well i <laughs> hey I, I love that um and uh you know 
that that film was so much fun. Um, I mean, I going into it, I was like, have no expectations because right. I'm like, this could, this could go south real fast. But you, you know, I feel like it it did. Uh, anybody who was a fan of the original two, I mean, it, it did them justice as well as I think for anybody who was, hey, never had seen a Ghostbusters film before, yeah. it helped bring them into it. Um, you, you also got you know the, that movie, and then you have. The first season of Stranger Things. I think the first thing, season of Stranger Things mm, really yeah. captured that whole era. Absolutely. It got a little weird later on, but I think the first season of Stranger Things, you, it really like was that what could have been your modern day. Um, I will say another, you know, show though that I that's very was very underrated for its time. It only did one season, but I was gonna say Freaks and Geeks is another one. Oh that yeah. I, I love, um, mm-hmm. especially too, from the fact in my childhood, I grew up in Michigan where it takes place. So, yeah. I Were you a freak or a geek? Uh, I was a little kid. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I didn't reach those levels yet. <laughs> he was in awe. He was trying, probably trying to ponder which, uh, which one he'd be. I, so I, I was up. probably far more leaning towards the geek, uh, than the freak, <laughs> um, with what I liked, but, uh, yeah. Too funny, too funny. Yeah, I mean, family movies of the 80s, I think, uh, like I said, they have their charm. And uh, it's great that you guys are doing your show based on, you know, talking about movies that you loved as, as kids. Um, you guys are a lot younger than me, but it's it's really nice to see a uh, kind of your short list of, of movies that I'm familiar with. Um, that, uh, that, that's, that's pretty cool. So, uh, awesome stuff, man. Thank you so much for joining me on this, uh, this segment of quick cuts. Any final words on movies of the eighties, family movies of the eighties. This is, uh, we want more of that stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you're looking for recommendations, come check out our channel. We've got over (laughs) what? 50 shows now that we've done. Over. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I feel like we've got, we've got a good list out there, you know, but uh, there's still so many more that just we haven't even touched on. Um, and, we, and that we want to do. So uh, we're excited to do them. So. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. All right, guys. Thank you so much. That is amazing. Thank you, Loved talking. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, no problem. Love talking family movies of the 80s. Uh, I, wish, uh, I wish I had a DeLorean because I would really love to go back to – the 80s um what a wonderful time or a hot tub or a hot tub yeah yeah (laughs) that might not be as family friendly as the rest of them (laughs) yeah but um absolutely thank you guys one last uh let's do one last pitch where can people find you to say hello there jt's got to tell them uh, you can find us on After the Weekend, um, all one word on YouTube. Um, we also have an Instagram account where we post some of our announcements of our channel. Uh, so you can find us there. Be happy to see you. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you, guys. And uh, we will be back with more quick cuts here on the Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast. Check it out. Hi, my name's Wade, and that's the Scuttlebutt. Hey friends, just a quick reminder, if you enjoy our content and don't want to commit to a Patreon tier, you can show your love in other ways. Oh 
Yeah. Of course, you can take advantage of our merchandise store at TeePublic, where we've got cool designs from all across the Red 5 network. Look for sale announcements and save up to 30 to 35% on all our merchandise. Oh, nice. And there's also a very convenient way to help support the channel. As you know, coffee is our friend. It keeps us going. You can show your appreciation by heading over to buymeacoffee.com slash Scarif. Buymeacoffee.com slash Scarif. Any amount starting at five bucks, a one-time treat for us to help with all the stuff it takes to maintain the quality you deserve. And remember, it's always sunny on Scarif. And that's the scuttlebutt. And pass the cream, please. Hey, this is Jimmy Mack from Rebel Force Radio. Besides Star Wars, if you're itching to dive deep into all things geek, park your speeder right here at the Scarif Scuttlebutt Podcast. And may the Force be with you always. Sentry Mode. All right, folks, we got another edition of Sentry Mode. And for this edition, we have none other than Blake from Dork Wars to help me out on this one. Blake, how's it going, brother? Pretty good. Just uh, hanging out with uh, Roe from the Scuttlebutt, man. I, I can't wait to see what kind of questions you throw out at me. Yeah, I, I hope you studied. I hope you uh, you brushed up on your Star Wars, but this this should be pretty easy. It'll be a lot of fun. Again, Sentry Mode is our quick rapid-fire Q&A. I've got five questions for Blake, and uh, no cheating, Blake. I hear that keyboard going. Oh, yeah. That's, that wasn't even my keyboard. Uh. Excellent, excellent. All right. <laughs> All right, you ready for question number one? I totally am. All right, question number one, sentry mode. What is the name given to Star Wars toilets, which is also the name of a Dunkin' Donuts summer drink? All right, well, I don't know about Dunkin' Donuts. I'm not I'm not a big old Dunkin' Donuts fan, but I do know <laughs> that bathrooms in a galaxy far, far away are called refreshers. Absolutely. Yeah, you get your Dunkin' Donuts refresher uh, on uh, at summertime, and it's, uh, it's always quite refreshing. And using the Star Wars toilets is also refreshing. So, yeah, you got that one right. Perfect. <laughs> awesome, awesome. In The Empire Strikes Back, name the bounty hunters that were present during Darth Vader's Star Destroyer scene where he wanted to get the Millennium Falcon. That would be Boba Fett, Bosk, uh, Boba Fett, Bosk, IG-11, uh, Dangar? Two left. Oh, Two left gosh. and you have to revise one because you are thinking, you are thinking the Mandalorian. Oh, gosh. IG, guys, IG-10? IG-88. What am I thinking? Uh, this IG-88. There you go. <laughs> uh, the last two. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I didn't even go into Empire Strikes Back. I'm studying. I actually didn't study. I feel bad now. I should have. So you got most of them right. You were missing four LOM and Zuckus. Mm, yeah. Yeah, That's yeah, bad. yeah. 
All right. So here's another question for you. What was the series of movies that George Lucas wanted to redo or revamp, which he didn't get and in turn made him create his own space adventure? Was that Flash Gordon? That is correct. Flash Gordon for the win on that question. You're doing pretty good. Okay, here is, uh, this one's a little difficult, and you're going to have to kind of go back in your brain to 1999 for The Phantom Menace. But what is, if you can remember, what was the first image that we see from the teaser trailer of The Phantom Menace back in 1999? Oh, that was like uh, seven at the time. Uh <laughs> The first image that we see in the teaser trailer, <laughs> but I, but obviously you've seen, yeah, you've seen the trailers. Then let's see. I've seen them. I have seen them. It's been a long time. Oh man, let's see. Is it the Sands of Tatooine? <laughs> no, that would be the Force Awakens. <laughs> the Sands of Tatooine. Oh man, no, the Sands of Jakku. Yeah, it'd be the Sands of Jakku for Force Awakens. Um, jeez. It's got to be some something to do with Anakin, right? It's got to be Anakin. How about how about uh, name? Uh, I'll, I'll give it to you if you can correctly guess the name of a certain species that was uh, present in the Phantom Menace. Uh, a creature. There's a bunch of creatures: Dothamirian, Nemoidians. Uh, his his species his species were not very liked at the beginning. Oh, Gungans. Some people Gungans? did like him because of his childlike... Yes, Gungans. That is correct. Gungan. There was a Gungan on a Kadu, which is one of their mounted uh, beasts, but you can see him clearing the the uh, like the forest with a little fog in the foreground, and he's walking towards the camera. That was the first image of the teaser trailer for The Phantom Menace. Oh, I, I did not know that. Which Steven Spielberg movie features a cameo appearance by Saturday Night Live's and Ghostbuster fame, Dan Aykroyd? Hmm. This one's tough, man. I, I mean, you can you can guess. There's only, there's very few Steven Spielberg. Uh, let's see. I'll, I'll give you a hint. Do you want me to give you a, a musical hint? I think it's, is it Indiana, it's an Indiana Jones movie, I think. Yes, it is. Which one? I'm going to guess Temple of Doom. And your guess would be absolutely correct. Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. You can see Dan Aykroyd in the background when our heroes start to board the plane after Club Obi-Wan. Yeah. I was trying to remember which film that was. I couldn't remember if it was Raiders of the Lost Ark or that one. I'm going to go through my list of questions, but I think you actually got them all right. Uh, you did a great job guessing on some of the ones that you didn't. You only missed two bounty hunters, yeah. but uh, you uh, you redeemed yourself by changing IG-11 to IG-88. So I'm going to give you those points absolutely for sure. This is Sentry Mode. All right, folks, that was another edition of Sentry Mode here on the Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast. Sentry Mode, our little Q&A. Hope you guys enjoyed it. 
Hey, what's up, Chicago friends? If you are in the Andersonville area and want to check out a really cool comic book shop, head on over to Alley Cat Comics, 5304 North Clark Street in Chicago. If you're into comics, gaming, and all the cool stuff, Alley Cat Comics is the place to be. Gotta love Celine and the rest of the gang over at Alley Cat Comics. Pick up your gaming supplies, set aside your comic books, grab the latest Star Wars and Marvel books, or give them a call at 773-907-3404. And tell them the scare of Scuttlebutt Podcast sent you. Oh, yeah. Alley Cat Comics in Chicago. It's where the cool cats hang. See what I did there? Okay, I want to thank JT and R2 for their time. And if you could remember, check out their channel on YouTube. If you like getting back to that sweet spot of cinema hits, reviewing some great, memorable movies of that era long past. After the weekend, another Red 5 Network show. Find the rest of the gang at bio.link slash red5. And remember, look for that hashtag, WeAreRed5, to follow and interact with your favorite shows out there. Even if your favorite show isn't a Red 5 pod, we all love your comments and discussions, so keep it coming. And I wanted to remind everyone that we do have an open hotline ready to accept incoming calls. That number is 773-234-8659. Put that in your Rolodex or add it to your favorites. We love hearing what you nerds have to say or what's on your mind. I put out a call to action earlier in the month and asked you guys, Hey nerds, what's the scuttlebutt? And we got some voicemail messages from some of you this week. We're going to play them in a little bit and I'll respond accordingly. But big thanks if you left a message. If not, go ahead and dial in if you want to be part of the conversation. 773-234-8659. Let's see what's on your mind, shall we? have an incoming transmission from the Scarif Scuttlebutt Hotline, Commander, and we can't withstand a voicemail of this magnitude! Hey, Scare, This is Subtle Deviancy. I figured I would give you guys a call since I tend to harass you guys pretty good on Twitter. What was on my mind was about how whenever a property enters into the common domain and how there are successful ventures and there are ones that fail miserably. For example, Chuck Dixon did a wonderful job with his Conan book, The Seeds of the Black Citadel, whereas another author wrote a Conan book, and in it he was apologizing for Howard's generation and how they wrote, and it was basically an apology of Robert E. Howard, which was ridiculous. Anyway, that was just what was on my mind, and I thought I'd give you guys a call after leaving all those comments on Twitter. See you guys later. Subtle deviancy, thank you so much for your voicemail. You know, as far as Conan, I'm not a big fan other than the movies uh, with Arnold Schwarzenegger, obviously, from uh, the uh, 80s. 
But Conan is definitely an interesting character. I didn't follow the comic books, I'm sure I was aware of them, but uh, just like any property of that nature, you had similar things happening with James Bond bringing that character into a modern time. I think there were discussions between the creators and the fans regarding James Bond that happened similarly to the discussion between fans of Conan the Barbarian and his characterization his, uh, I guess, adherence to the time of that, uh, where that comic book story is, uh, is being told. But as far as bringing Conan to the forefront of a modern audience, I can see where it's a little problematic. Conan the Barbarian, obviously, a, you know, his, his type of character is said in, his, in the name. Uh, he's a barbarian. There are certain things that he does that may be normal men per se don't do or it's behavior that is uh you know obviously different than modern man but um yeah as far as the apologizing i did look into it a little bit but again what else can you say about conan the barbarian if you like that character go for it there are movies there are comic books just like what you like but we have to understand that sometimes there are lines that are drawn But yes, thank you, Subtle Deviancy, for that voicemail. Again, 773-234-8659 if you want to leave me a message, and we will chat. Let's check and see who else left a message. Hello, Ro. This is Nicole of Used and Abused. I am calling in regards to the 1970s and sci-fi. Now, while I was more of a 80s babe and a 90s kid, I definitely grew up watching uh, vintage TV. Okay, it wasn't really vintage at that time, but it is now. And a particular shows definitely stood out to me, like The Hulk. But there's another one that I definitely watched with my parents, and my mom, I know, would also agree. That is her favorite. That is the show from 1976. And let me actually just Add in a few lyrics. All the world is waiting for you and the powers you possess in your satin tights, fighting for your rights in the old red, white, and blue. Who else am I talking about? None other than Wonder Woman. I have wonderful memories watching that show with my mom. Um, I also remember watching that show with my mom even as we watched the Wonder Woman movie. Um, and that definitely was a big influence on my childhood, um, as well as some 1960s. But I know we're talking about the 70s and not the disco. But I cannot wait to see your guys' show on this with Melanie, and I hope that you guys have an awesome retro day. May the force be with you. Wonder Woman. Us out from under Wonder Woman and all hopes are pinned upon her. And the magic that you do, stop a bullet, make the axes fold, change your minds and change the world. May the scuttlebutt change the world. Oh, Nicole, thank you so much for that message. Nicole, our newest patron, thank you so much for supporting the Scare Scuttlebutt podcast. Used and abused, again, another patron. But uh, yeah, absolutely, 70s shows. Um, Melanie Marquita and I, again, uh, patron. You know, we've got a lot of patrons that really 
um, contribute to the broadcast, contribute to the podcast, sorry. And uh, it is fantastic. We love our patrons. We love our internet friends. But we definitely have more talks coming. We are uh, very happy to go back in time, in television time, and check out some of these shows, some of these 70s sci-fi shows. We've got The Bionic Man, The Bionic Woman. We've got The Incredible Hulk. We've got uh, all sorts of uh, schlo- other schlocky science fiction television from that era. Uh, something that comes to mind is uh, Auto Man. And Auto Man, if you recall, was, uh, oh my God, I remember watching Auto Man and uh, there was another one where a dude turned into an animal, oh, Manimal, duh. Um, I think these are all like weird Glenn Larson productions, Um, Glenn Larson of uh, Battlestar Galactica fame. Uh, I may be remembering that wrong, but, uh, you know, Knight Rider and Manimal and Auto Man, all those goofy shows, wonderful memories. But um, yeah, Wonder Woman, obviously, superhero from the 70s, I think Wonder Woman. And namely, you know, who are we kidding? Linda Carter is still a, uh, a force to be reckoned with in, uh, in the annals of superhero science fiction television of the 70s. Um, and she, obviously she's still active on Twitter. God bless her soul. But uh, yeah, we've got more shows coming, more talks, 70s sci-fi with Melanie Marquita. She is, Melanie is definitely a resource to be treasured. We're going to definitely have more talks with her coming up. All right, excellent. Thank you very much, Nicole, again for that voicemail. We've got one more voicemail. Let's check it out. Do we in modern times have too much say in what movies are made or not, given the advent of social media and just the overall information overload that we get before movies even come out, a lot of people uh, have already their minds made up about a particular film instead of waiting for it to come out and judging for themselves. What do you think? Interesting topic. And that's the scuttlebutt. All right, that was DJ from Rebel Rock Radio and The Exegesis. Look them up, subscribe, and follow. So, DJ's question, do we as fans have too much say when it comes to movies? Or when it comes, I guess, to the production of movies? I want to say yes and no. I don't know if you remember back when they released a... A preview of Sonic the Hedgehog. Everybody was up in arms that uh, the graphic, the uh, animation of Sonic the Hedgehog for the movie did not look like Sonic the Hedgehog. The artist went back to the drawing board and made it a little more truer to what fans recognize as Sonic. So I think a lot of people were also up in arms and mad that the creator went back to the drawing board, citing the elitism and the privilege that some fans felt. Um, But um, I don't know. I I think that was a good thing. I think obviously if you are creating a project for the mass uh, media, you know, the mass consumer, it's good to make it so that customer likes it. 
Um, I just spoke with somebody about this regarding Star Wars. I think, you know, uh, do we as fans feel a certain entitlement, a certain, um, you know, sometimes people say that, uh, you know, these franchises don't owe us anything. And I would push back a little by saying they at least owe us, you know, a good story and good quality production, et cetera, et cetera, because it is our money that we are forking over for these products and if they are not good guess what's going to happen so in a sense yes we 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 as fans do have a say so in what gets made i think we uh, to a certain degree we uh, want to make sure that uh, our beloved franchises you know continue to get produced uh, with a quality that um, you know, franchises deserve, especially something as old as Star Wars in this example. But I think, um, you know, when it comes to blockbuster movies and projects, you know, the reason they're doing it is to get our money. So if they're not doing it for us, uh, then I have no idea why they're doing it. So that's my two cents. DJ, thank you so much for that question. It is a great topic. And that's the scuttlebutt. Okay, friends, that is episode 166, Quick Cuts with After the Weekend. Another shout out to all the people that left us a voicemail at our Scare of Scuttlebutt hotline. That's 773-234-8659. Remember, give us a call. We want to hear what's on your mind. If you want to give us a review or tell us how we're doing, we would appreciate that. And remember to catch the rest of the Red 5 Network at bio.link slash red5, the number 5. There is a podcast or YouTube show for you. Make sure to check out our Scarif Live, our YouTube shows, live on Saturday nights at 7 Central. We are going to be talking about the Ahsoka series with a couple of different friends this Saturday. In a couple of days, we will have Danny from Comics and Cosmetics and the aforementioned DJ from Rebel Rock Radio. Set your reminders. Next week in the audio feeds, we have an awesome show. If you are a fan of the Patterson cut of the Kenobi series, we'll be talking to Kai Patterson, the guy that did it. A very awesome interview. Not only did we talk about the Kenobi cut, but I love talking to industry people and see what makes them tick. And I asked him what his Star Wars story is. What brought him into the franchise? And of course, questions about the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. Remember, give us a follow. And if you like this episode or some of the other episodes in our catalog, feel free to give us a five-star review. Make them good and make them count. Until next time, this is Ro from the Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast. And that's the Scuttlebutt. listener just a reminder that the podcast you just heard is a proud member of the red five network family red five network.com offers you a great variety of shows you'll be sure to love so the next time you're itching for quality content make sure you head over to red five network.com you'll find this podcast along with a whole lot more all wings report in it's the red five network